everyone. Welcome to the Internet of Things podcast. This is your host, Stacey Higginbotham, and this is your co-host, Kevin Tofel. And we have an amazing show for you today. We've got Apple. Does it really need a Siri speaker? We're going to talk about the Amazon look, because how could we not? We're actually also going to talk about a new IoT security product, Samsung bringing Bixby Voice to South Korea, Google Home getting more device support, ADT doing a lawsuit against two companies you've heard of, an interesting little factoid from one of our listeners, (laughs) and our sponsor this week is IFT. And I have an exciting news announcement there, too. So you're going to want to listen to that and then stay tuned for our guest, Bjorn Block of IKEA. Home smart. Hmm. We're going to talk about Trodfi lights, meatballs, and <laughs> IKEA smart home strategy. So, jam packed full of goodness. Are you ready for this? I'm ready, but people will probably have to listen to my landscapers too. I apologize. There you go. Well, first, we have yeah. another ad for you this week. It is Samsung Arctic. Do you have a great idea for an IoT business? Samsung Arctic, an easy, interoperable, and secure IoT platform, lets you focus on building your business rather than worrying about technology. Arctic provides fully integrated hardware, cloud, and services, interoperability with other devices and service clouds, and system-wide security. Samsung Arctic, it's how IoT gets down to business. For more information, visit arctic.io. That's A-R-T-I-K dot I-O. All right, Kevin, let's get this show started with, does Apple need a Siri speaker? Tell us the uh, news. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, we can talk about the question, but the, the news or leak or rumor, however you want to put it, is that Apple is coming out with a Siri-equipped speaker. This information comes from KGI Securities Analyst Ming-Chi Kuo, who's actually one of the better predictors of what Apple is doing. He looks uh, at supply chain like nobody's business. And he's thinking that maybe at WWDC or Apple's developer conference in uh, June that they announced this a Siri equipped speaker with a subwoofer and seven tweeters to provide excellent sound. Huh. Now to the question, do they need it? Well, I think they do, but they need something else first. Oh, what do they need first? They need to improve Siri. They need to they need to improve Siri. And it, and here's the thing. If I'll be watching the the developer event um, live, the keynote, which is where I would predict they would announce something like this if they're going to. And the first thing they should be doing, if they start talking about Siri and improvements to Siri, then I would say Quo is on target for this. But if they don't, I don't know. I mean, Siri is just in my opinion, just not nearly as good as Google Assistant and the Amazon Echo. I can't speak to it about Bixby because I don't have Bixby voice yet. We'll be talking about that a little bit more. But Siri's just not that great. It just has seemed stagnant to me. It is not that great. I don't spend a lot of time talking to Siri. My husband does, and he's not impressed. So I agree with you there. But I do think... I guess if they can get Siri, because yes, I would be super frustrated shouting at something across the room and having it. I did not understand that. I'm not sure I can help you with that. Or just Uh, give you very limited information, not be very conversational to have follow-up information. Well, okay. But the Amazon Echo is like that. Agreed. Agreed. So You're right. It's not perfect. I I totally agree with you there. From a conversational standpoint, the Echo is not there. It is something I think Amazon needs to address. 
But the Echo has a lot of other positives that make up for that shortcoming. So what would let's assume Apple has the same model where it has a limited AI. What would it really bring to the table here? Well, HomeKit, right, HomeKit device control. I would see this as an attachment for Apple Music subscribers if the sound is really good. Could even sell more Apple Music uh, subscriptions. And I would not anticipate it. It works with other services very easily. Amazon's Echo does okay with that. Google Home does not. That's pretty much a Google Play Music play. I I can get Spotify through my Google Home. Okay. Because we mentioned the G word, we should mention your disclosure. Oh, yes. I work for Google um, as a full-time consultant, but more in their enterprise area with Android and Chrome, not with IoT devices. So, All right. So I would say that where we could see some cool stuff from Apple is things like HealthKit integrations. So what if you can ask your, I think you can actually ask your Fitbit data from the Echo. I think there is a, a skill for that, although I've never done it. So maybe there isn't. But being able to say, hey, How's my health look today might be really interesting. Mm, could be. It could even listen to see if you're snoring at night. Ah, <laughs> uh, I still. So update, <laughs> y'all. I have not gotten my my snoring pillow. So <laughs> not yet. It's it's expected to come, I think, in a, like another month. So stay tuned for that. All right. Yes. So in pricing, mm. do you think it'll be a Apple premium pricing? That's sure. 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 Why not? Of course it will. You know, at least as much as an Echo, which is 189 Although you mentioned right before the show, there's some refurb units on sale, like right now, for 130 something. 135 Yeah, which, which is really almost too good to pass up if you want an Echo. But as far as Apple pricing, sure, it's it's certainly a at least 199 device, if not a 249 device, quite honestly. Yeah. Now, it would be nice if this device actually replaced or didn't replace, augmented the Apple TV or an iPad as a home hub for mm. using HomeKit while you're away. I it would be nice. You know. Yeah, that could that could work, in which case, you know, there's a definite advantage there. And and even I could see them, you know, sell multiple ones that stream music simultaneously, kind of like a Sonos. Exactly. So mm-hmm. there I think there's an opportunity. I would love for these things to play nicely. The one thing I am sad about with Sonos and kind of missing this boat is their whole mission was to be this neutral kind of delivery device for the internet music. Mm. So it works with everything. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of like, oh, I don't know if I really want to see this fragmented so much, especially because yeah. I use my Echo to control my television, for example. Right. So. Right. Re- just real quick, related, but not on our show notes, you, we mentioned Sonos. The Galaxy S8 and S8 Plus phones that launched last week, or two weeks ago, rather, the first phones with Bluetooth 5, I actually used the feature that allows you to stream the same song over Bluetooth to two different speakers. I did it with my Amazon Tap and my Amazon Echo, and it actually works pretty good. It's not a Sonos, of course, but if you have multiple Bluetooth speakers, it works pretty well. Okay. Good to know. Possibly a cheaper alternative. So, speaking of voice assistance, I have to ask, Kevin. So, right Mm. after we recorded the podcast last week, Amazon put out an announcement for the Amazon Look, an Mm. Echo with a camera that is designed to take pictures of your outfits and give you style advice. (laughs) I spent the first five (laughs) minutes of this looking at my email going, what? 
Is mm-hmm. it April Fools? What's happening? Really? I thought I thought you'd be all over this thing. Well, I, I thought just, you'd be like, yes, must have. I did ask for an invite. Uh, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I told my husband to also ask for an invite. Right now, anyone from Amazon listening to this, I would like an invite. So I have to get your thoughts on this, though. <laughs> Hmm. A hands-free, voice-activated selfie camera that tells me what I already know, which is I have no style. Me personally, not interested at all. However, it's interesting to me. Would it, do you think it would be fair to say this is a product targeted at women? Probably. And I, I put something out in my newsletter about like what I thought was great about this and what I mm-hmm. thought was just like beyond weird. I think Amazon's pushing the envelope. Like, are mm-hmm. people ready to have a camera, not just in their home, but this is, if it's checking out my outfits, this is like a bedroom, closet, or bathroom kind of camera. Getting personal now. It feels like those are not places where right now I'm even comfortable having this. And right. there's there's no mechanical close the camera button, which I thought mm-hmm. was like, oh, please add that. But Amazon's been trying for fashion for a while. Mm-hmm. It's the like one of the last holdouts of like retail for them. And they're going to get a sense of exactly what's in my closet if I own something like this. They're going to know all of mm-hmm. my outfits. I think it's a great idea for a service once it has this information to be like, hey, Stacy, it is cold outside and you have an appointment. Maybe you should wear this. Because mm-hmm. then my brain doesn't have to think about it. And I it, love that. Y- yeah, no, I mean, it brings the assistant to another level. So I can see that um, it's going to give them information, as you said, that they don't have today about what's in our closet. It might start suggesting items to buy, mm-hmm. you know, like, hey, you're you need an update in here, which is probably what it would tell me because you're all ridiculously I have is, unfashionable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all you have is Beatles, T-shirts and jeans and high tops. So um, you need some help, dude. So, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not saying I don't see this as a viable product. I think it's targeting particular audiences so it's less universal than say their echo products their current echo products that's that, a lot that that is true now yeah. i also talked to somebody who does craft blogs and she mm-hmm. was like she's like i don't care about it for outfits but having something where i can put a camera like a mount above my hands while i'm doing she sews a sewing project and then say take a picture and have it take that picture that would be really great for me from a blogging perspective Mm-hmm. And I thought about things like cooking and showing people things for like recipe blogs instead of having to stop what you're doing, take a picture and then, you know, mm-hmm. so I don't know. I, I thought that was kind of interesting, although, again, a very niche audience. So I'm excited. I was speaking yesterday at an event and there were like 250 people in the audience. And I said, hey, is anyone going to get the Amazon look? Mm-hmm. Nobody raised, like literally nobody raised their hand. Interesting. Interesting. I raised my hand, but it was, it, okay. In fairness, this was kind of a, an IT kind of crowd. Ah. So maybe not as fashion forward. And I also, my talk was on privacy. So I asked them, the, <laughs> I asked them this at the end of the privacy talk and they were like, yeah, no, Stacy." <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's definitely not the target audience. I, I would agree. So this is $199. $199. And in mm-hmm. true Amazon fashion, you have to. You have to beg to buy it. So, for now. For now. For now. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it may not, you know, you may not enough people may beg to buy it and they may be like, oh, too soon, too soon. Yeah. And moving on in personal assistant news, Samsung is bringing Bixby voice features to South Korea. Mm, it's home country. Home country. Finally. So this signals that maybe it's it's getting ready. 
we may get the voice assistant. I hope so. The Galaxy S8 and S8 Plus got updates in South Korea to enable the voice command feature, which it's kind of weird. I mean, they're selling all these phones. I have one and you can't use it by voice, even though that's one of the big features. It just wasn't ready for launch. And I don't even know how well it works because they really haven't demonstrated it that much. So they did say in the U.S. we should have it this spring, which means they've got about seven weeks or so, I would say, maybe six. Like so, spring or all the way to the summer solstice? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, I would ask my phone, but I can't do that by voice. Uh, so, yeah. So we'll see what happens. Again, I, I think I mentioned it prior to on a show when I did get this phone. It's got the dedicated hardware button for Bixby. Uh, which shows you Google now like cards, they're hit or miss for me. And it also has uh, Bixby Vision that is enabled right now where you take a picture of something. And it's just like the Amazon Fire Phone was where you would scan a picture or take a picture of something and it would magically determine what it was and then say, hey, you can buy that here on Amazon for X dollars. So it also has an Amazon hookup in Bixby for that. So it's pretty limited right now. So I'm dying to try the voice thing and I'm not going to go to South Korea to do that. Oh, it was a bummer. I was like, I will, I will sponsor that trip. <laughs> uh, the other news from the personal assistant front is Google Home and Assistant is getting more device support. Yay! Yeah, yeah. So we're seeing Leviton, Emberlight, mm. Arctic Cloud, smart home devices, and iHome, which I haven't bought. I haven't seen iHome devices in a really long time. No, me neither. <laughs> so a lot of these feel crazy, but I will say. Arctic Cloud, the Samsung stuff, mm. that is actually a connector for all kinds of products. So you, depending right. on how this works, and I'll, I'll have to go play with it, you might be able to connect it to all kinds of other things that it's like another mediating layer. So you could be like two hops away from a device that you really want to connect. Yeah, I think, and I don't know because I don't have any Samsung smart home things in my house. I think it's kind of limited right now in this particular implementation to Legrand smart hubs. Oh, the Samsung Arctic thing? Okay, I see. You're right. So Legrand, who makes really nice light switches, and I think these really cool plugs, they've actually been working. I've talked to them before about their smart home efforts. They're big on thread. So hmm. that makes sense because mm -hmm. Google is a big proponent of thread through Nest. And honestly... Most chip vendors that I talk to and most people that I talk to are like, thread is a dead standard. Hmm. So this may be like a come on thread effort. Trying to build up momentum. Maybe because hmm. it sounds like it needs it. I would agree with that. So, all right. Who knows? Okay. So we'll, we'll test that out. All right. One more kind of news bit, totally unrelated to personal assistants. So for you guys who are like, God, that's all they talk about now. It used to be lights and now it's now it's the we're, echo. We're very us. lazy. We love our assistants. We are lazy. <laughs> Last week, Cloudflare, it's a security company that I know from my days over back at GigaOM covering like servers and all this other fun kind of IT, big IT cloud computing efforts. Well, what happened is Cloudflare launched a IoT security product called Orbit. And so I had to talk to them about it because I'm always in search of new ways of thinking about IoT security. And the cool thing about Orbit from Cloudflare is it's it's designed in such a way that it would prevent something like the Mirai botnet, which hmm. everybody listen up. Your devices that are unsecured today 
have a potential, I'll say a potential for being secured using this. So what it is, Cloudflare basically acts the way they've always worked is you point your your computing to them. And then it's basically like a filter that's like, oh, you don't want to go here, you know, or you don't want to download this packet because it's from a known malware vendor, right? Mm -hmm. So what it does is it acts as that filter for IoT devices. And right now, a manufacturer has to put this in. And so it's not going to be everywhere. It takes efforts. And it's not like if you're like a CISO at a hospital and you're like, oh my God, I want to, I want to secure all my medical device equipment. You can't right now using that unless the manufacturers Hmm. elect to use Cloudflare. Hmm. But there's going to be hopefully more adoption. They're already protecting about, they've got about 25 customers and they're protecting about 120 million devices now. But basically what happens is anything that's coming from a malicious place or trying to get your device to download malicious content, that's going to be rebuffed. Hmm. That's the promise here. So they're a, an IOT gatekeeper of sorts from a security standpoint. Yes. And I was really disappointed that, you know, you had to put this on your end device at manufacturer. Eventually yep. they're hoping to have like, an SDK and and some other tools and they haven't solved like they're like we just don't know how to solve the problem if you're not a manufacturer of securing things we're working mm. on it we hope to but they're they're just not there yet so that's what it is for those of you guys who saw this announcement and was like hey what's new in IoT security uh it, it is new it's it's actually very compelling but it's pretty limited so far and we're hoping it's going to be bigger and better and again I should also stress this does not preclude you needing to actually secure your devices at a physical level. This right. does not preclude other security steps that you need to take. But this is just for, you know, this can help make your over-the-air updates more secure. When your things are talking out to the internet and downloading things, this this helps there. But that's about it. So that is Cloudflare Orbit for those of you guys who are wondering. Let's get into a little quick bit of news We've got an update on a story that we've reported on a couple weeks back. I actually broke this story. I'm just going to say it because, yay, toot toot, (laughs) that's my own horn. What this is, is Zonoff, which is a company that makes software that connects and integrates lots of devices. They were behind the Staples Connect Hub. They worked with ADT on their Pulse product, and ADT was actually an investor in them. What happened is an acquisition went south. Zonoff needed to sell. It didn't. So Ring basically came in and hired everybody that worked at Zonoff, where they offered them all jobs. Most of them went over and one day they worked at Ring, the next day, or one day they worked at Zonoff and the next day they worked at Ring. So this was a weird deal. This kind of mm-hmm. came out of the blue. People were like, what? And the theory is that Ring is going to use the Zonoff team to build and integrate their products into more places, which hasn't been a huge priority for them. So this suit filed in Delaware last Friday, it's a 10 count suit. It's accusing them of all kinds of terrible things. Like mm-hmm. Mike Harris, the CEO of Zonoff, it's saying that he downloaded a bunch of files before going over to Ring that rightfully belong to ADT. So this is an IP suit. They're calling the damages real and imminent, and they cannot be calculated. So this is high drama, high mm-hmm. drama here. And they're asking the court to find that Ring and Harris breached or aided breaches of fiduciary duty, tortiously interfered with the contract, unjustly enriched themselves, and 
converted ADT's assets to their own purposes. So this is kind of similar to the the Waymo the Waymo suit, actually. Mm, yeah. <laughs> In some ways. It's always tough when you work for a technology company and then you go somewhere else. You can't forget or unknow something that you know. You know, it's always a challenge with IP. I don't know if Ring knew how much Zonoff had done in conjunction with ADT in the past. I'm sure they did, but at what, how, you know, how deep a level this stuff gets messy. It does. And I will say it's majorly messy because ADT was a big investor in Zonoff, but they stopped caring after being acquired by a private equity firm about their kind of home automation efforts. Mm. And in this field, there's been a lot of legal wrangling right like in the last year or two. So there's iControl that was purchased by Comcast and Alarm.com. There was actually a suit with iControl and I believe it was Honeywell. Um, so what's happening is a lot of these security firms are like, oh, we got to keep our IP. For a yeah. while, we didn't know what was happening with the Zonoff IP. Mm-hmm. So this is not really a surprise. And, and also keep in mind that when you file a lawsuit, you've got to paint everyone. This is your, your complaint is your chance to paint everyone. It's just the biggest jerk in the face of the right. planet. You know, right. they, they murder puppies and <laughs> <laughs> they, they poison school children. I mean, that's the level of drama you need to put into these things. So take it all with a grain of salt. Yeah. It'd be interesting to follow this case though, assuming it goes, continues on. I assume it will. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's alleging a lot of things. Yeah. So, We'll see what happens. All right. So that's exciting news in the lawsuit world there. And let's follow up with, uh, I think it was last week, we talked about a company called Hubble buying mm-hmm. iDevices. Yep. And Kevin and I were like, <laughs> who? What? what? Why? <laughs> yeah. We, we, but, showed, but. we showed our depth of knowledge and this topic. <laughs> but thank you, Robert. I don't know if it's Haffer or Hafer. One of our loyal listeners who has sent me many an email, not in a negative way, but just in a like, hey, by the way, this happened. He sent me a wonderful email about Harvey Hubble II, who is the founder of the company Hubble Inc. This is a man who way back, like guys- 1890s. Yeah. I was like over a hundred years ago. He -hmm. holds patents for the pull chain light bulb socket, the toggle light switch, the two-pronged plug, and the duplex outlet. That's really cool. So I was I was excited to know this. So now it makes all kinds of sense mm-hmm. that this company being kind of, I guess, in this deep, yeah. deep building space would buy a company that is taking advantage of all these things and making it even smarter. So, and oh. now if anybody's ever on Jeopardy for the IoT prehistory category, now you know the answer. Harvey Hubble II. There you go. All right, so that, that was today's <laughs> today's mention of famous inventors. I feel like this is a good place to end it because I always like learning a random fact, and mm-hmm. we are going to learn more random facts with our guest Bjorn Block of IKEA Home Smart. We're going to learn about meatballs, lights, and some of IKEA's future plans right after this message from our sponsor. Hey everybody, this is Stacey Higginbotham and I am breaking into the Internet of Things podcast for a message from our sponsor. This week's sponsor is IFT. And today I have with me Anne Mercagliano, who is IFT's VP of Marketing. She's going to talk about a new way for partners to think about integrating on IFT. Hello, Anne. 
Hi, Stacy. So yes, um, typically the old adage on IFT has been that anybody with an API can essentially be on IFT, but we've decided to make it even a bit easier and think about if you have an RSS feed, um, we're happy to have you integrate and kind of be a service on IFT. One of the interesting use cases of why we've decided to develop this, so you'll see many people are still in the Kickstarter fundraising stage. They're saying we're waiting for building out our API. We say, come on to IFT and really think about the idea of keeping in touch and growing your user base by putting in updates your social media, anything about a blog, being able to grow that user base, even using it as a form of feedback and R&D for what you're developing. So when you're ready, you can already have a robust user base that's on IFT and uh, start using your service right away. So what do you think the most popular way that people are going to use this new feature, these new news feeds? I think one thing we've seen from the user side is that a lot of people like to use our newsfeed services just to be able to kind of plow through information overload. So the idea of saving for later. So it's not just about getting an email or having, you know, every piece of information go to your inbox. You can save things to things like Pocket, Evernote, Dropbox, Google Docs, whatever is your choice where you're essentially want to be able to catch up on information digesting or only getting what you're interested in, being able to use some of those filters is another really compelling way that we've seen people use this. Also, just alerting a group. We use this at IFT around the offices all the time. We love to have in our own Slack channels, what's going on with different news? Is there interesting breaking stories? It's a great way to kind of keep everyone informed of what's going on throughout the day. All right. And Everyone, this was so easy. I actually made one of these with IFT. So you can actually enable the Internet of Things podcast RSS feed service. And you can tweet, for example, when there's an episode or your hue lights might blink when there is an episode. So have fun, play with that. And Anne, what other cool applets are there? Sure. Well, with your service, I think some great things would be be alerted when you have a specific topic that's coming on your show. So you'll always you'll never miss an episode on what's important to you. Or, you know, other great things that we've thought about is saving episodes to Pocket, posting it to your Slack channel, being able to bring those to work or share with colleagues, just staying in touch of getting notification when a new IoT podcast has dropped. So being an IFT partner is really easy. And how can we find out more? So to learn more about our partner platform, about integrating with your API or your RSS feed, you can visit if.com backslash IoT, which is ifttt.com backslash IoT. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Internet of Things podcast. This is your host, Stacey Higginbotham, and today's guest is Bjorn Block, who is the global business leader for IKEA HomeSmart. Hi Bjorn, how are you today? Hi Stacey, I'm good, how are you? I am super awesome, and I am so excited to talk to you because you will not know this but many of my readers have sent me in surveys I send out to them. They're like, can you get the Ikea head of the head of Ikea's smart home efforts on the show? And I'm like, maybe. So yay, everyone, Bjorn is here. Great. Likewise. I think we are equally, I am equally excited to to be on the show. So uh, thanks for having us. Yes. We're going to talk about all kinds of things today. You guys, we're going to talk about the, I'm going to screw up the pronunciation, the Trodfi lights, Trodfi. How do I say them? Uh, it's pretty close. Trodsing is the correct pronunciation, but I think uh, I think I got it when you said it. All right. We're going to talk about the Trodfi lights. We're going to talk about IKEA's view of the smart home, and we're going to talk about combining smart home technology into furniture and things that are probably going to live a lot longer than the technology itself. So let's get started with IKEA and its view of the smart home. What is it? How long have you guys been thinking about this? Well, this is a 
good journey in Ikea. We we started the journey about four years ago when uh, we got the question from, from management if, if there was an opportunity of integrating technology and digital solutions into our home furniture range. And uh, of course, we answered yes on that. And uh, then we were asked to form a small team and, and lead that uh, project. So it literally started as a project inside IKEA, basically as a little startup. And uh, now we have progressed into uh, becoming a business in IKEA. Uh, but the journey really started with doing what we always do, meaning that we are curious about life at home and we want to create a better everyday life for, for the many people. So uh, the task itself is not something different to, to IKEA. It's just a different means of how we solve it. So we have different tools in our toolbox. So the digital solutions and, and some new technologies that we can use to, to solve the dilemmas of life at home. Okay, so I should not think IKEA, flat pack furniture company, I should think IKEA solving life dilemmas at home? Exactly, spot on. Okay. So you guys actually about two years ago released a smart kitchen video that was very forward looking. And you guys also have the wireless charging embedded in furniture. So are those kind of projects that came out of this small group that y'all created four years ago? Yeah, the wireless charging collection that we launched in, in April 2015 was uh, actually the first collection or the first range of products that came out from, from the HomeSmart initiative. And uh, and that starting point was uh, around the charging in, in life at home because we did a survey and asked people what what are the dilemmas that you have at home? And a lot of people came back to us and said that it's charging my mobile devices or, or tablets and so on with, uh, you know, you can't find your charger, the cord is too short or where is the charger or someone has stolen it or whatever it might be. And that's when we got curious about the the wireless charging technology so we didn't at all invent that, but we just uh, tapped into the existing technology, the the Qi technology, and uh, and then we literally incorporated that into our bedside tables or into our desk lamps and and so on, made it part of home furnishing rather than standalone uh, products, and uh, we seem to in that way we can help a lot of people to easily charge at home in a, in a nice and good-looking manner. So that was definitely the starting point for HomeSmart. And uh, the kitchen concept was uh, sprung from a different cost constellation within IKEA, but we've been part of that product group, of course. It was more of an experimental and more of a concept that we showcased in, in Milan uh, two years ago. Uh, we've got some great learnings from that project, and I think yeah, a lot of those... Uh, insights and concepts that we tested there have uh, generated a lot of good uh, dialogues and discussions inside IKEA for sure. Will we see some smart kitchen products come out soon? The good thing with, with HomeSmart inside IKEA is that we have no boundaries of which rooms or areas of the home that we can go to or we cannot be in. So uh, right now we are collaborating with every part of, uh, of the home inside IKEA. So uh, all the businesses that you see when you go through the store, the living room and the kitchen and so on, we are basically working with all of them. So, uh, yeah, keep your eyes open. There might be some good kitchen stuff coming out soon. All right. I cannot wait. So let's go back to the Trod Free Lights, which recently launched. Why did you guys choose lighting? First of all, I think we, we know lighting. We know the importance of light for, for life at home. And uh, we know that a lot of uh, people want to change their atmosphere depending on uh, the activity at home, 
because basically if you want to do homework around a, a dining table, if you want to have a cozy Friday night dinner on that same dining table, you should have completely different lighting set up in order to be, be appropriate for that setting. And uh, we know that there's a huge potential in, in improving life at home using lighting. And uh, we took a bold statement a few years ago of going all in LED. And we did that in autumn 2016, uh, meaning that uh, at that point, then we had the precondition to uh, explore the full potential of digital lighting and all the aspects of that. So um, it was, I shouldn't say easy, but at least it was a really graspable path of going from LED towards smart LED. And there was a real need for it. So we understood that people really want to feel safe at home and they create atmosphere using lighting. So that was a, almost a given starting point for us. And what are some things you learned in building that product and maybe even building the wireless charging table? Oh, we learned a lot of things uh, in this uh, project or in this initiative. Um, I think one of the greatest aspects is the importance of simplicity. Uh, if you take the connected home as such, I think it's been uh, possible for quite a few years. But looking at smart lighting or, or whatever type of connected home that we're looking at, there's been a lot of frustration on on how complicated it is today to set up and also in terms of how expensive it is to actually get access to it. So uh, those are two of our main guiding principles that how can we make it super simple for people to get curious about the connected home or connected devices in the home context and also how can we make it really affordable. So I think the the greatest learning here was to finding the starting point. So uh, we don't start with a fully connected home. We uh, believe that people buy a smart product, then add another smart product, and suddenly you have created your own little range of products in the home and you get more exploratory and, and maybe connecting them together. And suddenly you're evolving towards a connected home, but you don't start by buying a fully connected or smart home. I think you're right. That seems to be the journey, hopefully soon to be less fraught with frustration. Now, in looking at the lighting, Kevin and I, when we were talking about it a few weeks ago, I was like very concerned about security because I'm like, oh, Ikea, I hope you did this right. I hope you did this well, because there's so much bad news right now in the IoT security space. And it turns out you guys did. But in part, one of the ways that you did it appears to be by kind of keeping it a closed ecosystem for now. So I'm just kind of curious about how you guys approach security and the idea of the ecosystem. Yeah, I should start off by saying I'm, I'm so thankful for having uh, such a skilled team here at IKEA. I think it's uh, we took the security aspects, of course, uh, very seriously, and and we we enter that dilemma with with great respect, and and the team put a lot of effort into finding the best partners of, of how to crack the code, how to make it a, a secure system, but yet uh, user-friendly. So I think they've done a really good job. And uh, yeah, reading the reviews, we're, we're uh, grateful that the reviews have turned out well, that uh, it seems like we've done the development work to the extent that we, we thought. So uh, really happy for that. Also saying that our intentions is not to be closed. Uh, we, we think that uh, one of the major success factors in a connected home is to really really collaborate and have good friends and cater for a seamless user experience in the home. So uh, 
I think the more we can work together with with partners and, and other players, the easier and the better it will be in the in the long run for sure. So uh, it's on our journey for sure to to make sure that we we open up in that direction. Okay, any time frame or mechanism for this, like an API or maybe an SDK? I can't really give you any time frames, but just to say that we are very eager to be a, a good partner to collaborate with and, and a good friend in in the space of smart home. Got it. Meatballs for everyone. Okay. Exactly. So the other thing that Kevin and I talked about, actually, after I was like, please don't screw security up, was that you guys really have the opportunity in your stores to showcase a smart home in a very compelling way that I think is lost. Actually, I shouldn't say lost. A lot of retailers have been trying to figure out how to show off the smart home to their customers to get them interested and also just to educate them. So how are you guys thinking about building that experience into your stores? Well, I think it's a fantastic opportunity. I mean, we have uh, more than 900 million visiting customers every year to our stores. And uh, it's a great opportunity, of course, to have access to these consumers. And of course, we we will try to build the real room sets where you can experience uh, the smart home. And uh, we know that touch and feel is crucial when it comes to uh, the last the wireless dimmers that we just released, for example, it's uh, it's almost an uh, addictive feeling when you're starting to twist that little nugget and, and you're seeing the light go, go up and down. So uh, we will try to build as intuitive and interactive spaces as possible in the store environment, uh, yet knowing that uh, it does take you quite a bit to walk you through the full store. So uh, it needs to be there if you want to play with it. We will build some play areas and uh, we will also make them easy to grasp and easy to buy if you're just there to, to grab and buy and if you have done your research on the internet already when before coming to the store. But it's a great opportunity and uh, we have uh, barely started yet uh, in our journey, I would say. I agree. How do customers in the store and maybe online in general, how are they reacting to these kind of smart products? Do they see them in the store and buy them? Do they do their research ahead of time? What do their demographics look like? Well, so far we have seen that uh, a lot of people do the homework online prior to the store visit. Uh, so we're seeing that uh, yeah, the majority of customers have already they know about uh, the trolley free range before they see it in the store. But we also want to not exclude the ones who are maybe looking for just a light bulb when they come to the store. And as they maybe walk in to just buy a simple E27 LED uh, bulb, Maybe they progress in their um, knowledge level and, and the curiosity when they stand there and see how they might get interested in, in smart lighting just when they're buying a light bulb. So I think there's a little bit of a different customer journeys if you are curious about the smart homes from the starting point or if you're simply buying from buying a light bulb. And we want to cater for both ends. So uh, we really want to see that people can uh, get fully enthusiastic and, and engaged coming from both angles. And as you open up the platform, are we going to see other devices maybe in your retail experience with your partners and that sort of thing? Well, you will definitely see uh, more products coming out from IKEA. Uh, Smart lighting is not an end destination for us. I would say that, uh, first of all, the range of smart lighting products that uh, is in the store today is only the starting point. Uh, we will, of course, expand this range and, and uh, get more rich in this range. Uh, but we're also exploring other product areas, of course, where we will uh, that we will tap into the same platform. 
if you're asking if we will see third-party products or products from other vendors inside IKEA, that's uh, uh, highly unlikely. We are quite strict about only selling IKEA products uh, in our stores today. That is true. That's why I was like, ooh, that and the meatballs and, and legon berries. Mm, delicious. So. Exactly. It could be good for you to know that we are selling 2.9 million meatballs every day. That is a lot of meatballs. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's a good figure. That is a lot of meatballs. Okay. So as you guys build connectivity into more products, and even with the tables that have the Qi wireless charging, how do you think about putting technology, which may have like a, I don't know, three to five year lifespan into your furniture, which I assume has a longer lifespan than that? It's a good aspect that you bring up. When we, when we develop products in IKEA, we have a formula called democratic design. And that means that we weight five aspects of the product uh, equally. So we have form, function, quality, sustainability, and the low price. Those are the five aspects of democratic design that we always judge and evaluate when we develop uh, products. And of course, the sustainability aspect of it, how a product can be recycled and, and also what materials it's made of and so on are important aspects. But one aspect, aspect of it is, of course, also in a to be able to upgrade or click in or click out. So that's how we see, for example, the wireless charging solution, that uh, all the solutions that we have put out there, I mean, can basically I mean it's a, almost a replaceable part that you can upgrade over time. So you can keep the piece of furniture and, and uh, work with the electronics as a, as a more of a module. And when it comes to the connected products, we see a great opportunity using the IKEA gateway because that's how we can how you can download the latest firmware or the latest software from uh, from us. So hopefully making sure that the products are always up to date with the latest technology and the latest latest software. So uh, we hope that the lifetime of the product is going to be uh, appropriate and uh, where, it, where it needs to be in order for being a sustainable product over time. Along with sustainability, how are you guys thinking about reducing waste? Because I know that is a big function for you guys. When you've got these electronic components that oftentimes have heavy metals and can't be tossed easily or shouldn't be tossed easily, are, are you guys thinking about programs to take that back? Or how are you going to communicate that with your customers? Yeah, sustainability is something we are really driving hard in, in IKEA and uh, both in, in every aspect of the value chain. I mean, from the raw materials we use, trying to use less every year, uh, but also making sure that we recycle the products or have programs in place so we can recycle the products or reuse the products that at the end of life or when you are at the end, at the end of the lifetime at home, I would say. We have a big program now around circularity where we're looking into aspects of how we can take back, for example, mattresses and whatever it can be. Okay, yes, because I'm sitting there thinking about like my smart light bulbs and I've already had some of the LEDs that should last for 20 years. The radio goes out after like three years. And then I'm like, ah, do I throw this out? Now I have this dumb light bulb. What do I do with it? This is very much so a first world problem. But <laughs> but I think it's also an interesting uh, opportunity if we're thinking about uh, led light bulbs if you take if you if you bought the non-smart light bulbs and uh, i mean they will last for 25 years if you bought them at ikea if you bought them two years ago i think there can actually be a second-hand market for selling 20 light bulbs with 20 years left on them it's a great buy and it's a great little uh, second-hand opportunity huh all right guys i'm going to start stacy's second-hand light bulb store 
just after this. <laughs> All right. So you talked a little bit about extending the range of your light bulbs line. Does that mean like colored light bulbs or different form factors? So not maybe the traditional A19s or what What can I be, what should I expect if I'm planning my smart home around Ikea? Yeah. So first of all, we want to make sure that we have every socket size to serve our lamps that we have out there. So we would have the GU10s and the GX53 and the E14s and so on. Uh, but we're also exploring uh, what type of color temperatures that we, we should have for a home furnishing aspect. Uh, today, we are having about with uh, three levels of white tone, going from the cool white to the neutral white and towards the warm white. And uh, we are exploring if, if that is sufficient or if uh, we should add more or if we should tweak them and so on. But uh, in order to just play around with these three tones in a home furnishing context, it makes a huge difference to create the right atmosphere for a certain activity. So uh, we'll see how we go there. Right now, I feel like there are a lot of really cool technologies that are being incorporated into things like fabrics or haptic research. There's a lot of, there's a lot of cool stuff going on. And I'd just be curious, what kind of technologies are you guys looking at and thinking, wow, this is exciting? Well, I think uh, the luxury of working in IKEA is that uh, we have our own uh, material development department and our own department for, for new technologies and so on. So we have access to all that. And uh, I agree with you. One of the areas that is very exciting is around uh, fabrics and, and textiles and uh, smart textiles. So uh, we definitely explore in that area. One thing we are very hard on in, in IKEA is that we make sure that whatever we launch has a real customer need. So we will not launch anything just because the technology is, is cool or, or it's, it's fun to play around with. So we are evaluating the real need for it before we launch it. And often we compare the solution with, with an analog solution that is out there today. So it really makes sense that whatever we put out there, incorporating cool technology or a cool digital solution, that it is superior to the analog solutions out there. So uh, we are exploring for sure sensors and how we can get uh, smarter beds, how we can get smarter textiles and, and so on. But we'll also evaluate it one and two and three times before we actually launch it. That's probably wise. There's a lot of gimmicky things out there that I'm like, oh, this is cool. And then I'm like, oh, I just paid six times as much for something that is really not fundamentally much better. So way to calm down and hold off on that or test it. I will have to stop by my nearest IKEA and consume some meatballs and also check out your future smart home stuff. So thanks, Bjorn. Okay, well, that ended a bit abruptly with Bjorn over at IKEA. I hit the stop recording button before we said our final goodbyes. So Bjorn, thank you so much for coming on the show. I had a lot of fun. And for you guys who are listening, thank you so much for listening. And if you want more IoT news, please subscribe to my newsletter at stacyoniot.com. As always, I'll see you next week. Thank you.